God has to rebuild and refocus you onto that He's in charge. It's not us anymore. The, the drug addicted life is, is horrendous. Alcohol, drugs, and today you've got so many other issues. But Jesus has a way of putting those pieces together. Thanks for listening. This is First Person, a weekly conversation featuring stories of people whose lives have been changed and redirected by Jesus Christ. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and our guest this week is Walter Santos, a musician who is known and loved by many as just Santos. You'll meet him in a minute. First Person is also available online at our website. You'll learn more about today's guest and be able to browse the archive of past programs at your convenience. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com to get started. That's firstpersoninterview.com. And then if you'd like to leave a comment, switch over to our Facebook page. We're easily found at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Well, today he roams the country giving his testimony and proclaiming hope in life through Christ, singing doo-wop music along the way. But Santos' life was far different a few years back as a successful percussionist serving with some of the greats He became addicted to drugs and nearly served life in prison. But today, he has found freedom in Christ. And Santos, how are you doing today? Thank God I'm doing great. I'm in his grip, and that's where I need to be. (laughs) Now, you said I should call you Santos, and we'll get into all that later. But uh, you and I met a a couple of years ago. Um, We were on the set together of the movie Courageous down in Albany, Georgia. We both found ourselves there that day, and we've we've uh, connected a couple of times since. But I've always had wanted to have you on first person, and now I finally get the opportunity. Oh man, it's so good to be with you, Wayne. I I, I really enjoy your website and the tremendous testimonies archived on that site. Yeah how did uh, how did you ever become so addicted to drugs? Tell me tell me your story, Santos. Well, you know what happens to so many out here. But I was born in New York. Uh, my name was Ludwig. And I was adopted out at nine days old. My mother was a waitress in a diner, and she was working for a Brazilian man named Walter Santos. And she said, I can't afford to keep this kid. Uh, my father, my, my adopted father said, I'll take him. Hmm. So I was adopted, and my mother was Italian from Brooklyn, and I got into this house, no other children, and uh, they didn't really get along too well, and they split up early. And I wound up being a, uh, you know, a kid of a single-parent home. And I bounced around, always wanted to be with my dad. He was a gourmet chef, worked at the Waldorf Astoria. So I grew up in the kitchen just eating everything, good food. But, you know, I I just never had the connection, the home base. And so I started hanging around the street corner and singing and playing percussion and got into drugs. Somebody introduced me to drugs at about nine years old in the New York metro area. The minute I touched it, I just... It hit a spot in me, and I knew that I was in trouble because I loved the way it made me feel. Mm. It was so against God and His creation, but that's what's out here on the street, even today. You know, it's not the uh, taste, it's not the the the, glo- the glorious lifestyle, it's the feeling that it produces, and it's so against God and what He wants to do naturally in you. And so I got addicted to drugs, and, and once you start that process, it's like a snowball going downhill. It gets worse and worse. It's a downward spiral into the pit of hell. Hmm. But music was always a part of your life as well then, from the beginning? Oh, yeah, what a balance. It was like, you know, uh, on one side you got all this uh, drugs and, and, and mess, and on the other side you got the music. 
and creativity that God put a talent in me, and, and I was able to just dial into music, playing Latin percussion, and uh, played with some incredible people over the years. Early on, I started playing with the, the neighborhood funk bands, like uh, the Funk Brothers from Motown, if people know about Motown history. They'll know about the Funk Brothers. I never got credit for playing all that great music of the 60s. And I played in bands like that, and then and went on to play in, in jazz uh, with a lot of jazz artists, Charles Erlin and Weather Report, and just went on the road. And But at the same time, I was doing all this great stuff. The drugs kept getting worse, mm. because it's progressive. You, you start out, and it gets worse and worse and worse. It never gets better. It always gets worse. And, and I found myself at such a dilemma, missing so many great opportunities to play with some tremendous artists. The Blues Brothers, uh, so many different groups, Pat Metheny, and, and and the drugs just took me. And then my first arrest came. And I was arrested in New York. I was about to go on the road. We were going to go on tour with, uh, I was with a band called Fandango on RCA Records. And we were going to go on tour. And the detectives pulled me over on the side of the road and they, they got me out of the car. They looked in my face and my ID and they said, that we've got a warrant for your arrest. Oh, boy. And I couldn't have, I didn't even know what I'd done. But earlier, I remember I had met two guys that I liked, and they asked me to buy them some drugs. They said they were construction workers. Hmm. And they looked like construction workers, but they were undercover detectives. Uh-huh. And under, under the New York law, Nelson Rockefeller, the governor of New York at the time, said, if you get caught selling hard drugs, you're going away for 25 years to life in prison. Hmm. And he wasn't playing games. Mm-hmm. That was reality. And I got caught selling drugs to these undercover detectives. And they dragged me into court. And the judge looked at my rap sheet and he said, you know, you're a talented person. It's a shame that you're tearing your life up. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. This is your day. I'm going to give you five years probation. You need to go to rehab. And uh, So I, I just looked at him and I said, yes, sir. He said, don't ever come in my courtroom again because I'll slam you. Hmm. And I remember getting out of that courtroom and I said, I need to get out of New York. And I went to Miami, Florida, and I was playing music down there in all the clubs. And I remember did a, a concert, and there's Gloria Stefan on the stage, and, and I start buying drugs again and the same routine. You know, you can't run from it. Yeah. So how, how long were you in the grip of this addiction? Well, many, many years. You know, I, I, uh, I skipped over a part when I had that life sentence where I did get arrested, and I was in a number of state hospitals in the New York area for narcotic addiction. And uh, I was just in and out, in and out, in and out. So I, it was about a good 20 years of mm. running and staying, trying to stay clean and getting on a drug called methadone. I was on methadone for eight years. Just, you know, it's just a symphony of misery yeah. when, you're, when you do drugs. So when did the turning point come, and what were the circumstances? Well, I had gotten uh, probation on that life sentence, which was really incredible. Down in Miami, back on drugs, playing in clubs, and then I got asked to play on a recording session for a famous New York doo-wop artist named Dion, who's in the <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I remember thinking, Dion, I always heard about Dion using drugs in New York, but he was doing a gospel project for Word Records down in Miami. And I show up at the studio to play percussion on one of his, his second album called Only Jesus. And he's reading the Bible. And I said, Dion, what? How did you get off the drugs? He said, funny you should ask. I got born again. And he shared his testimony with me. 
And I went in and played on the song. I remember hearing these lyrics. I put away my idols, a sweet surrender. And he's telling me how he came to the end of himself. And he had the world's formula for success in his pocket at the age of 19. You know, fame, fortune, and romance. You get that? You got everything. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else. And he was empty. And he got into a recovery, and then he was still empty. And then one day he was jogging, and he heard the... The, he just cried out to God, it would be nice to be close to you. And he saw the Lord Jesus bleeding on the cross, saying, I died for you, Dion. I gave every drop of blood for you. And he said that was his turning point. And here he's telling me this, and I'm saying, I want what you have. What do I got to do? And he says, you got to die. You got to die to yourself. And I left that studio that day, and about a month later, I attempted suicide in Hollywood, Florida. The Hollywood Police Department found me in my car. I had a hose taped to the car. Just got in a fight with my dad, who I was living with there, and I was ready to check out. But the police came, pulled me out, put me in the, another state hospital, South Florida State Hospital, and that's where I really hit the bottom. I said, I don't want what Dion has. And I got out of that hospital a week later, and he took me to a church service down in North Miami, Florida, and I had an altar call. And I hit that altar so hard, Wayne, I knocked the prayer rail over in this Lutheran <laughs> church. So Dion himself? Dion and, yeah, and Dion and he had his family members there, his sisters. And they prayed for me that day. Huh. And man, I received the Lord in me. I just felt like a, another heavenly shower. Yeah. I just felt like I was pressure cleaned by the Lord. Had to be a dramatic turning point in your life and one that changed well, your for life me, forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, was the transformation immediate? Was it a struggle? What was that like? No, it was immediate. I remember going home that night from the church service and trying to explain to my father that uh, I had just met Jesus. And he looked at me, and he thought I was taking out his day. He said, you met Jesus? He said, what, did he drive you home in a taxi? <laughs> I said, no. I tried to explain to him what had happened. And he looked at me and said, go sleep it off. And so about a month later, he came to his end, because he was married multiple times. Yeah. And he was married to an alcoholic that uh, really lost everything and found uh, found herself in an alcoholic coma. Alcoholic death, one of the most horrible deaths you can imagine. And he was broken. So I went by Dion's house. Dion lived in North Miami. And I said, hey, Dion, my dad wants help. And my dad, at 79 years old, got on his knees in Dion's living room and opened his heart to Jesus and got saved that night. And man, I'll tell you what, God set us out on a journey for the next few years. Something that was totally destroyed, like so many families from drugs and alcohol. Here God puts all the pieces together and gives us these few years of joy together in Christ. More of the Santos life story coming up in the second half of today's conversation here on First Person. Winter Olympics are coming up in Russia in a few short months, and Russian Ministries has a plan to distribute the Gospel of John to as many of the participants and spectators as possible. But your help is needed for the printing and distribution costs. If you'd like to help with this project, please go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for Russian Ministries and pray with us that this need will be met. Go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on Russian Ministries. My guest today on First Person is Walter Santos. Uh, you want me to call you Santos, though. Is that what you go by professionally? Yeah, I've been using that name for so many years. That that's how the police uh, call me and the FBI. 
But you're, but you're not. Your running, name is Walt DeSantis. You're not running from them anymore, though. You're actually working with no, them. No, thank. I run to them now, Wayne. Yeah. I, I'm a certified police chaplain, and I, I run after them now. They used to chase me, and now I chase them with the Bible. As a matter of fact, the first time I met you on that movie set, you were hanging out with some cops. Oh, that's why I was there. I brought a bunch of New York City police officers, the same cops that used to chase me around New York, and some of them were there with me. (laughs) Now we're cops and robbers. We have a ministry together, but they used to take my drugs. I hated them. But when I came to the Lord and and God changed my life, I got involved with police officers for Christ with the NYPD and uh, share my testimony with all the cops that used to know I was a, a total mess, and now I tell them what God has done, huh. and they need it. So we were down on the set. They were first responders from ground zero. Well, if you. there's a verse of Scripture that uh, summarizes your life, it, it's got to be, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That That's you, isn't it? Exactly. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah. So you have this dramatic transformation. Um, you come to Christ. You put your faith in Him. Did all the uh, addictions go away and everything was rosy? No, 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 no. It's a process, a daily dying to pick up the cross. The flesh will fight you all the way to the grave, and uh, it's a daily process. I remember hearing years ago, Billy Graham gets up every morning, and he starts out with Proverbs, and he closes the day out with Psalms. And, uh, boy, when you look at those two, those two books, you know, the, the Proverbs, how to deal with life and fellow man, and then Psalms, and your relationship with God, it kind of, like, tunes you up every day. But you have to carve out that time to do that. Yeah. But one thing that has not changed in your new life is the music. Uh, well, the music oh, has changed, man, but you're, you're still talented, you're still creative, but you're just channeling it differently, aren't you? Yeah, Dion really had an effect on me with music ministry. And, you know, not to get up there and just be the, the celebrity or the, the star with the lights on, but to really go after hearts and, uh, you know, one-on-one. And and, and when I'm in a, in a large venue or a, a concert hall, I always think of the one person because I do a lot of one-on-one ministry. I'm involved with drug and alcohol recovery. I'm a certified drug and alcohol counselor. And I get to interact with a lot of hurting people with crisis in their life. And I go to prisons, jails, rescue missions. But it's so important to have fun. I, I, I package it with a, a fun sound, great music. I, I utilize doo-wop, and, but I sing other styles, too. Yeah, now we need to talk about that for a moment. We, we may have some yeah. listeners who, who don't know the musical form of doo-wop. They may not be as old as we are. So I want you Yo, to explain I'm what from doo-wop New York. Is. I forgot that. In New York, everybody knows what doo-wop is. You know what it is? It's sort of like a four-part four harmony with one lead. The barbershop singing, if you remember, Sweet Adeline, Sweet Adeline. Mm-hmm. That was everybody singing lead. But doo-wop, you have everybody kind of like, ooh, singing in the back with one lead singer. I want a Sunday kind of love. Wop, wow. That's the doo-wop sound in the still of the night. All those great songs. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to listen to. And But you have uh, taken some of those classics. And as a matter of fact, you have a new CD out. And we'll give your website at the end of the show here today where, where people can find your website through our website. But right. you have this new CD out, uh, Street Corner Symphony, which is you've, you've taken these great doo-wop songs and you've, you've really uh, uh, spiritualized them, I guess is one way to put it, or, you know, kind of made them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a parody, you know, in the, uh, I get to go to the publishers, get the license, record them and do them as a parody. 
but uh, you know, just to, to sing, and 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 I have so much fun with them, and uh, a lot of them I don't have to change the words. The music was so really rich back then. Yeah. Any any lyrics come to mind that uh, you can cite as an example of of what you're talking about? Yeah, like the song "Only You" it was number one for a whole year on rock and roll radio, sung by the Platters. Only you can make this world seem right. And you listen to the lyrics, and I just point them to God. I say, think about singing a love song to Jesus, or Him singing it to you, because He created us in His image to love Him. So only you, and it's on that project that we just talked about. So today, you combine this this musical creativity you have with your a ministry and, and drug counseling and all that. It all, it all sort of comes together, doesn't it? Boy, God has a way of just putting it into a nice, neat package to use for His glory. You know? And I don't have to be somebody else. I learned that early on. Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, my good friend, told me many years ago, you know, God uses the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all preparation for something that he's called you to do. And don't have to be somebody else. Be yourself in Jesus and let him use what he's, what he's done with you. And, you know, he sanctified it, and now he sends me out. Yeah, be you, because there's no one else quite like you. There's no one else exactly like you, as a matter <laughs> yeah, of fact. That's so. why we have fingerprints, and the FBI loves yeah, our fingerprints. That's right, that's right. There's no other set. Well, I want you to take a few minutes. Undoubtedly, there's someone listening who has a loved one or is that person who's struggling with an addiction. Talk to that person now the way you would if you were face-to-face with them, Walt. Yeah, and I have to do this a lot with moms that call me, and they want to help their, their kids or their loved one. And they, they, they want to do everything they can to help them, but there really is nothing they can do but the power of prayer. And I always tell them, keep praying, and don't give up, and don't pay their bills, don't give them money, because they'll work you. They'll work you all the way to the moon and back. But you know what? They need to find that spot where there's consequences for their actions. And when they hit that spot, that's what happened to me. Nobody else would help me anymore. I found myself all alone broken and thinking there's no hope for me. And that which forced me to cry out to God. And it forced me to, to do whatever it took to get help. I came to that place where I was willing to get help. And that's the hardest thing for a mom to, you know, get to, they want to help their kids and they, they can't. But once they get to that place, there's tremendous resources available. There's a lot of great programs that I work with around the country that'll take over from them. They need to be placed into a place. It's like being in a, a car accident. Here you're in a, a car accident. You're laying in the road. You're bleeding, and you need intensive care right away. And, that, and that's what the uh, recovery centers do, that spiritual intensive care. Because God has to rebuild and refocus you onto that he's in charge, and it's not us anymore. It's, you know, it's, it, it, the, the drug-addicted life is, is horrendous. Alcohol, drugs. And today you've got so many other issues with the young people. It's a culture of death out of it, and it's tearing them up. But Jesus has a way of putting those pieces together. I was just listening to Damaris, and she used to be the lead singer for Brooklyn Tabernacle. When you see the Brooklyn Tabernacle choir, that whole choir is a choir full of miracles. There were crack addicts, they were on the street, drug addicts, and they came to the Lord, and God just repainted them and made them brand new to sing that praise and that choir to him. I hear you advocating a tough love approach. Oh, gotta! You, you, you can't, you can't do for them. 
They can start working, although it, they'll never hit the place where they realize they need help. And that's why I always say, hey, if they get arrested, that's great. <laughs> Sometimes I pray that the people get arrested because before that happens, there's nothing they can do. You know, you, you try to fix it and you can't. But I tell them, don't bail them out. Let them feel the weight of what they've done, you know, because there's consequences for actions. And when you come to that place and then that person is broken, oh, then everything happens. I heard an old Jewish rabbi say that. The Word of God are like seeds. They fall on your heart, but they don't fall in until your heart breaks. Mm. And I, Excellent. that's a good analogy of what ha- has to happen for that change to take place. That really is good. Well, there's something about you, Santos, that I can just see how people open up their lives to you. I know you travel a good deal around the country and, and minister in so many different places and at so many different times, but what is it that, uh, I mean, you've thought about this, what is it that draws people to you? Well, you know, it's it's sort of like, I, I, it's got to be Jesus, because, you know, I've been down a road that just, just so broken and tore up that uh, I know God is real. He's healed me of hepatitis C. From, and you can, you know, my doctor was Jewish too, and he said to me, "There's no cure for that." I, I saw it on your sheet, and I just took the blood work, and it's negative. I can't explain it, but I wouldn't use drugs anymore. <laughs> I, said, I said, "Okay, doc." And, and he says, "You know," I said, "It's God," because they, you know, I was at Calvary Ranch out in San Diego, and the drug and alcohol rehab, and I got anointed with oil. They prayed for me, and God. And you know what I do? I share my testimony. In the, in the book, the Bible says if you, you overcome the devil by the word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And a lot of churches, they don't allow the testimonies, but that's where the power is. That's what happens at Brooklyn Tab. Jim Simbolism is putting people up there. And you hear these stories, and you go, man, there's got to be a God. You know, I also visit David Berkowitz in the, in the prison here in New York. Son, son of, of Sam. Son of Sam, yeah. And people look at me and they go, you do? Well, what about him? You should see the transformation in him. You know, and people, some people don't have a hard time believing that. But I went to see David in person just to see with my own two eyes what God has done. And boy, did he do it. And it can do that for anybody that's listening right now. All you have to do is believe and trust. Trust and obey. Santos is just one of countless millions who have found peace in Christ after suffering the pain of the addictions of this world. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest and his ministry of offering hope and forgiveness, visit us at firstpersoninterview.com for more. Of course, you'll also be able to sample some of his unique Christian doo-wop music as well when you follow the link to his website at firstpersoninterview.com. And if you'd like to comment on today's conversation or view the comments of other listeners, go to our Facebook page. We're found at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. That's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. And don't forget that our website contains an audio archive so you can go back and listen to today's interview again or choose from a long list of any past interview. And if you use a smartphone, you can download First Person as a podcast automatically through iTunes as well as the Stitcher radio app. Just search for First Person with Wayne Shepherd. Well, next week, you'll meet one of America's most successful business communication and productivity speakers, Diana Boer, and hear her story of God at work through her life. I hope you'll plan to join us for that conversation next time. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening today, and join us again next week for First Person. First Person.